Okay, raise your hand if you're still here. Welcome to episode seven of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Main. By day, I co-host a radio show on a network in New York and Pennsylvania. And by night, I'm secretly a podcaster. Hey, if you're a woman like me who loves Jesus and you just want to serve your family and community a little bit better, you're in the right place. It was two summers ago when I had a pretty routine foot surgery. Well, it was supposed to be pretty routine. Things got a little complicated and I was down for the count a little longer than I expected. What I didn't know before my surgery was something like 30% of people who have limited mobility after surgery end up with some sort of a blood clot. And that was what happened to me. I developed a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis. The clot dislodged from my leg, soared into my heart, through my heart and into into my lungs, where it became a multiple massive bilateral pulmonary embolism. Basically, clots of blood were all over inside of my lungs. I went unconscious. My daughter had to call the ambulance, and I was taken to the hospital. I could kind of tell by the way some of the residents hung around me a lot. They didn't think I was going to make it, but I did by the grace of God. I felt like God was with me every step of the way. And so I look at that experience as a victory, as me being an overcomer. And that's why I decided to get this episode's guest on the show. She is an overcomer in every way, so much so that she has a song called Overcomer. And we're really excited to get to chat with Mandisa, who after so long of wanting to, is finally being able to make worship music. It came from my season of darkness. You know, my last full-length album of original songs was called Out of the Dark because I battled a really deep depression for um, two, well, over two and a half years. And I realized the power of worship when you're in the dark. Honestly, the last thing that I want to do is to worship if I'm being completely honest. But I've come to understand that when you least want to do it is when it's most important to do it. And so I just, I kind of learned the power of putting on some worship music and blasting it. And that as I've been doing that, it's lifting like the darkness seems to lift. And so that's when God really began putting it on my heart um, to do worship music, to do music that not just encourages, but that points people as a vertical relationship of adoring the Father. There is a real battle going on everywhere right now. And, And I think that when you've experienced those points of, and I'll say low, but in that darkness, mm-hmm. and then you you kind of come out of it, and then you have these moments where you feel like you're standing, you know, one inch from the Lord, and so you have these mm-hmm. big highs. But this battle is constantly going on, this battle for power, this battle for your mind, this battle for yeah. controlling your life. And worship, worship is a really powerful tool in the middle yeah. of that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's honestly, it is, it helps you to, gaze at the face of Jesus and glance at your problems. And I think so often we do the opposite. Like we focus and we stare at our issues and we just kind of glance in our heavenly father's direction. And it just interrupts that process. It says, no, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so that's what I'm learning. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally, but I don't think anything worth doing and worth pursuing comes easy. 
In Genesis, as Joseph is talking to his brothers, he's been through this, you know, lifetime of of one discouragement after another, and he's finally in this pinnacle place where he can help. And he says the things the enemy meant for evil, God can use for good. And there's so much power in that. Have you gotten to a place where you can look back at that time where you shut out the world, Mm -hmm. where you shut down, where you really were enveloped? in the darkness and say, no, God used that for good. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things about God is how he redeems something, how it's so true what the enemy intended for harm. The enemy was trying to take me out, girl. So I love that not only did I get out of that darkness, but now I've made the enemy sorry that he ever messed with me in the first place. Like To me, that is what redemption is. Make the devil sorry that he ever messed with you. And so that is what I love about God. It is, you're right, it's that passage in Genesis 50. It's also 2 Corinthians 1 that says the comfort that we ourselves have received from God, that we're then able to comfort others. And that's what I see is I've been talking about how God has pulled me out of the dark. I hear from so many people who are facing that same kind of darkness. And the fact that I can share my testimony about how if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That honestly makes it all worth it. And I would go through it again if it meant that on the other side of it, that I would have the kind of fruitfulness that only comes from being in a dark place with God and having him lift you out of it. Having been through that experience, where was the moment where you began to see the light. And I mean, you really yeah. had this group of friends who were just mm-hmm. relentless in yeah. how they were going to love you. And and yeah. when did you start to say, okay, now, now I see the hope. Now I see the peace. Now I see the love. Yeah, it, it's, it was a series of events. So one of them is what you're referring to, my friends, get you some godly people around you who says like, God, I love you just the way that you are, but I love you too much to leave you there. Cause that's what they did for me. They were refusing to let me stay in that dark pit. And so they called, they texted. Some of them showed up on my doorstep and, you know, eventually is when I finally ventured out of my house to go to the movie theater that when I came out, they had surrounded my car and they'd put little love notes all over it saying that we love you and we miss you and scriptures. And they did an intervention with me. Um, That was a big moment. That was the turning point. And God just also brought different little things that happened in my life, including being able to lead my brother to the Lord, even though I hadn't really spoken to the Lord in a long time. The fact that my brother would, in the middle of my darkness, call me up and essentially say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Help me. Um, That was another thing that God used, the fact that he would even use me to minister to somebody that I had been praying for for so long at a time where I questioned everything about God. Like it just shows God's perfect timing and how often the things that he says to wait for. I've been praying for my brother's salvation for decades, but God knew the exact timing when it would happen to not just lift my brother out of the dark, but to do it for me as well. And nobody can do that like God can do that. Do you ever doubt, I mean, after all that you've been through, do you ever have moments, maybe even just a millisecond, where you doubt God's love, God's sovereignty? I mean, it's so easy to to go into that temptation. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. I There's a part of me that feels like I should say the great Christianese answer right now and say, no, girl, I'm great. I've always believed God. 
But if I'm being honest, it's one of the enemy's biggest ploys is to try to make us doubt. But that is, again, where worship comes in. That is where looking to God and who he says he is is so important. It's why we have to hide God's word in our heart. It's because in those times, that's when the Holy Spirit brings those words to our remembrance. It's in those times that that is when we are surrounding ourselves with worship, that we stop looking at what we're feeling and we start looking to what we know to be true. And so, yeah, I have those moments. And that's when I know this is a battle. We actually have to fight our battles by choosing to believe what God says over what our own voice says and over what the lying voice of the enemy says. This idea of tucking scripture into your heart, I've you know, read that verse like over and over and over again. I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you where it is because I'm terrible at memorizing scripture. And a, <laughs> a lot of people say that. They're like, I just can't. I can't remember scripture. And I've really tried in the past six months to find some really significant pieces of scripture and kind of know where they are, like that scripture in Genesis 50, to understand the context and and the heart of it and how to apply it. And it really is important because in those moments when you're in the battle, you know, and you're like reaching for the sword and you're like, oh, where did I put my sword? It might be in the bag. And that's what you're doing. You're like digging through the Bible trying yeah. to find it. Whereas if you just have it. So what has helped you to be able to remember scripture for those moments when you can't maybe open your Bible or you don't feel like looking through the concordance to find what you want? I learned years ago when I was on the worship team with Beth Moore, the importance of hiding God's word into my heart. And so it's been a long time since I've been doing that. Um, And so I just choose, like, even if it is putting it as the screensaver on my phone or putting it up as a five by seven card on my mirror or sitting in front of the toilet, like post it somewhere where you're going to see it. Know that you need to have scriptures that you can always go to, um, that you can fight the enemy with, even if it is just one scripture a year that you are focusing on and memorizing by any means do it. Um, It's why I started a group called Word Warriors this year. We're memorizing a new scripture every month that speaks to our identity in Christ. And we are as a collective group doing it together. And so we send out different emails. We've got a private Facebook group. I think it helps to do it in community. But another thing to remember is that it really isn't just all dependent on you and your flesh. The fact of the matter is that is one of the Holy Spirit's job is to help you remember. And so if you're just trying to do it on your own, know that if you have Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that means that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And one of the things that he is great at is helping us to memorize. And so ask him, like make it a daily part of your time with the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you memorize that scripture. And that is a prayer he would delight to answer. I'm going to make a statement and you're probably, you might disagree with me because I think most women do, you are confident in you. And when you talk about identity, see, I knew you would kind of like laugh and scoff. But, you know, there is no one who I know in this industry or I think maybe even just in the human race that I've encountered who, uh, you know, you're a woman who you like pink, you like sparkly, uh, you like who you are, you are bold and you are not ashamed of it. And Mm -hmm. I love that about you because there's no guessing, you know, and you probably have moments of insecurity just because you're a human being and you're a woman. But how can we embrace who we are, who God made us to be and not have apologies about it? 
it's so interesting you saying that. I wish people could see what swirls around in my head. Like I realize that I may come off that way and I'm trying to grow in that. Like I have felt God saying to me, I want you to be unapologetic about who I made you to be. And so I'm trying to grow in that. It really is only coming by spending time with him. The more you spend time with him, the more that you talk to him about how he created you. Um, the more you will be convinced of it. But honestly, it's one of the reasons why I'm memorizing all these scriptures about my identity is because I struggle with it so much. And so I know the power of God's word. And so I'm choosing to memorize scriptures that speak to that. And that's just one of the ways that I'm fighting the battle of insecurity is by finding my security in him. I haven't found a scripture about sparkly pink stuff yet. Look, I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna send it to you. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. (laughs) You know, you also have this level of accessibility, which I think is what concerned a lot of people when you did go into that dark place, because all of a sudden it was like you were out of communique with everyone. And it's so funny because I I will like send you like a Twitter message or something and you'll, is that you? Are you replying? Yes, of course. I just find that so so crazy. I'll be like, yeah. So I sent this message to Mandisa in the same way that you dropped Beth Moore's name. I like to say to my friends, so I DM'd Mandisa and she said, Said, blah, 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 blah. How that's do you amazing. have time to do all that stuff? Well, that's an interesting question. I I don't know. I just kind of love it. I one of the things I love about social media is you do you've got direct access to people, and I have learned that I have to have it in waves. Like I've got my people, my core. Like people who know my phone number, who can come to my apartment. And then I've got some, you know, it's like Jesus. He had his three disciples that he was very close with. Then he had his 12. Then he would often be among large groups of people. Um, and I think it's important that we have that in our lives. Like I've got the people who know me, know me, know me. And then I do have people that I do feel a close kinship to. Maybe it's just on social media. Um, and then I've got the masses, but I want to be accessible to all of those people. It's just on different levels that I know that I need to be accessible just to kind of guard my own heart. Because uh, as we know, social media can be great, but it can also be used as the devil. So I'm just finding some, I have to have balance in all of those areas. I'm good being one of your 5,000. I'll bring the fish, okay? You're not in the 5,000. <laughs> You're in like the 100. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, man. It is so good to hear your voice and to hear you laugh. I hope so. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking this time. I know you've been busy with like photo shoots and recording and all of that stuff. My pleasure. So what have you been doing for the past six months or so? A lot of people have spent this time during the pandemic doing things like catching up on their TV binge watching or baking, mastering the art of sourdough. Have you given that a try yet? I've been trying to read and specifically I've been trying to read books about Jesus because I know that if I don't, my thoughts will kind of overtake me and I'll focus more on my trials than on the triumph of Christ. And so I don't read these books to be like a goody two-shoes. I read these books because I know I need them to spiritually survive. I think I've read four or five books since March, which is not like me at all, but it's been so amazing. It's funny, when I had my embolism, I promised myself that I would slow down even after I recovered. And I did for a little bit, but then, you know, life happens and the next thing you know, you're running ragged again. And then a friend of mine recommended a book to me. It's 
called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And this book has gotten me to understand that hurry is not just about your schedule and how much you have on it. Hurry is about really submitting the things that you have to do to the Lord, about not being in a panic as we go through life. I just read about ancient Rome and a race that used to happen. It wasn't about the runner who finished first. It was about the runner who finished with his lamp still lit. You know, they would run with these torches. And that meant that you couldn't run super fast because the wind would cause that flame to get blown out. And so you had to run at a steady pace. You had to be aware of the surroundings and the breeze. You had to accommodate for all of those changes and be wise as you traveled to finish with your lamp lit. And I thought, you know, I want to be that. I don't want to go so fast through life that I miss all the moments that God has for me because I think we can do that. Instead, I want to run with diligence and purpose and intentionality and in his plan so that my light shines for the world around me. So I'm just starting to get into this book, kind of getting my mind around the idea of not rushing, not giving in to the chaos of the world, how to be emotionally healthy, how to be spiritually alive. So again, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And maybe you need to slow down a little bit in your life too. Before we wrap up today, can I pray for you? God, thank you for this woman who's listening right now, Lord. I pray that you would bless her and her family and her purpose, Lord. I pray that you'd make her keenly aware of what you have for her, that you would allow her to see the beautiful way that you have crafted her for such a time as this, Lord, with a great purpose and a great plan. Father, that you would equip her to live that out in the fullest way possible and that she would shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Next time, we're talking about friends. Let me ask you, are all your friends about the same age as you? Have they been married about the same amount of time? Are your kids about the same age? Well, it might be time to get some new friends, at least add a couple new ones into the mix. Multi-generational friendships are an incredible blessing of the Lord. So I'll have an older friend and a younger friend sharing some of their wisdom. I will be willing, if God opens a door, to write a Bible study or teach a lesson because really what he's doing is answering my prayer so I can get to know him better. I learned that like I had to make my relationship with God more personal. While I think it's important to fellowship and like rely on, you know, the preacher's message and things like that, you also need to make like your relationship with God your own. Episode 8 of Therese Talk launches on October 30th. Check it out at fln.org slash podcast or subscribe using the Apple Podcast app.